crisis is an interesting word. So our common use of the word has a very, very negative connotation. Something's broken, um, right? There's a there's an urgent negative situation, but in reality. Uh, if you look at the root of the word, crisis also refers to a decision and a turning point. So there are decisions that you will make now that will create a turning point. And even in uh, a significant downturn like this, um, uh, I'm getting alerts today that the stock market continues down. It's the worst week. We've given up all the gains for the last few years. You know, it's substantially down. But if you take a global, a global, it's easy for me to say, right? A global economic recession, even a depression, and you look at the total shrinkage um, globally, the contraction, it's pretty small. What's up everyone, I'm Chris Ronzio, founder and CEO of Trainual, and this is Process Makes Perfect. As always, we're talking with experts in process creation, automation, and delegation, basically the people that know how to make business easier. You just heard Bill Gallagher, and this episode is all about the process of scaling up, which we modified to talk more about scaling down. Bill's an international business growth coach and has over 30 years of entrepreneurial and executive experience. He spent the last 15 years coaching and training others in leadership and performance and previously led four companies of his own and has been a partner or executive in two others. He's coached and trained thousands in over 25 cities and 11 countries, and he now hosts the renowned Scaling Up podcast. He's a recovering triathlete, sailor, pilot, surfer, skier, diver, and all other things fun and active. I've known Bill for a while now, been on his podcast a couple times, and we actually got into a great conversation about how in this economic climate, you have to lead through the adversity. So we talked about as businesses are contracting or scaling down, what principles can you pull out of the book Scaling Up from Vern Harnish, who you saw last season, and put into work in this type of economic climate. So really interesting stuff, very process-driven. I think you're gonna love it. So take a listen to me and Bill Gallagher. Can this business thrive without the owner? You gotta start putting systems and processes in place. If you don't use the systems, the business will break. We're always looking to buy back our time. You cannot say something once and expect that it actually is received. This is the way we work. A big motivation in that for me is creating a job for myself that I really enjoy. This is how you discover your vision. And this is Process Makes Perfect. Welcome everyone to Process Makes Perfect. I'm your host, Chris Ronzio, and as you heard in the intro today, we're talking to Bill Gallagher. Bill, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's a pleasure, thanks for having me on. Bill, every time I open Instagram, you're in a different country or you're surfing in Hawaii or you're doing something crazy. So where where are you right now? I I am for two weeks. I am home in my house, in my neighborhood, going nowhere fast. Well, you're uh, quarantined, right? It, it quarantined. <laughs> and I was traveling even as this whole thing developed. And I could feel and tell that we might be in a lockdown situation. And I was really worried. I went across seven countries and all kinds of meetings and stuff just before it got real serious, and I was nervous the whole time, like, oh, shit. Mm. Not just am I going to get locked down, but what's going to happen and like that. But 
Yeah, this is no joke. So I know business leaders everywhere are sorting out how to operate during this time, how to communicate yeah. during this time. So it's very timely that you are on here as such a prolific coach and facilitator of these kind of business strategic problems. So we booked this a long time ago. The point was to talk about the, the process of scaling a business, right? Um, so before we get into the current climate, why don't you catch the audience up on just how you've come to be a worldwide coach and facilitator? Were you always this way or did you have you, you had your own entrepreneurial experience yeah, as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So I um, I've been in leadership six times with companies before from startup uh, right into the ground and and also through beyond 500 million in revenue. So I've worked a big range of stuff across a wide uh uh, range of industries. And it just kind of became time in my life and my career to do something different. And I focused on the parts that I love. But so I was a CEO and had my own company four times. And then I was a senior partner in a couple of other enterprises. But I've worked in telecom, in radio, in technology, in hardware, in um, uh, uh, consulting, marketing research, in uh, uh SaaS company in a development shop. Um, I mean, uh, oh, in jewelry, uh, jewelry brand. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I had, uh, quite a big range of things um, all over the world. And I, you know, I I love. I'm a idea person. I'm passionate about strategy. Uh, I lead kind of on the influence and the strategy side of things. Um, I'm not such a great executor. Um, years ago, I learned. Uh, the Rockefeller habits that became the scaling up framework uh, from Vern with my business partner and and uh, wife life partner, <laughs> mm -hmm. and um, and I applied them imperfectly, um, which actually creates really great lessons today as a coach. Right? There's some things that I did that had great payoff, but then there are other things that I screwed up that had multi million dollar costs to me. And sharing, I think, both of those is really helpful to people because we learn as much from the mistakes as from the successes. Absolutely. And I think coaching and working with other CEOs is probably one of the the few ways you can really grow exponentially because you're making so many connections between industries and company sizes and right. you're seeing things being applied in all different ways. So so it's amazing that you can bring all that experience together. And we had Vern on last season on the podcast. Yeah. And so yeah. how how do you talk about kind of the relationship with scaling up and the and the, the coaching program? So I'm part of Vern's clan. <laughs> clan Vern. Team Vern. Uh, I, I learned from Vern. I'm a scaling up coach. That means I'm uh, legally speaking a licensee, a partner. Okay. Uh, I also host the Scaling Up podcast, and I'm on Vern's advisory board. So I'm officially in that family. I started uh, this work as a full time coach when I exited my last business seven years ago. So I've been a full time coach around the world for seven years. I also speak at conferences and give workshops and things like that. Yeah. So I'm very, I mean, I was just with Vern in Amsterdam a few weeks ago, uh, leading a thing there. Um, so. That's great. And the content you produce is amazing. I'm not saying that because I was on your podcast, but you have lots of <laughs> right? great that, guests. That episode, that was but hot. Just that specifically, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but if, if you haven't heard the Scaling Up podcast, it's great content, leaders from all over. So check that out. All right, so 
we talk about scaling up. That's what we intended to talk about. But yeah. in this climate, a lot of businesses yeah. are scaling down or trying to figure out how to make it through this time when they're contracting or they're having to cut expenses. So I think I want to spend probably most of our time talking about how you apply the principles, the methodologies of scaling up, of running a sound business to a economic condition like we're seeing today. Uh, great. So let's talk really globally first. Uh, we're in a crisis time, right? Um, and I uh, I want to talk about crisis leadership and, and scaling up in a crisis. Um, but it's crisis is an interesting word. So our common use of the word has a very, very negative connotation. Something's broken, hmm. um, right? There's, a, there's an urgent negative situation. But in reality... Uh, if you look at the root of the word, crisis also refers to a decision and a turning point. So there are decisions that you will make now that will create a turning point. And even in uh, a significant downturn like this, um, uh, I'm getting alerts today that the stock market continues down. It's the worst week. We've given up all the gains for the last few years. Um, you know, it's substantially down. But if you take a global, a global, it's easy for me to say, right? A global economic recession, even a depression, and you look at the total shrinkage um, globally, the contraction, it's pretty small. Um, these are like less than double digit percentage contractions globally uh, most of the time. And, and yet the massive dislocations are what we feel and notice. So right now, um, I've been on the phone the last few weeks with people and I've been offering free coaching to folks that are in crisis mode and trying to figure out what to do and how to deal. And there are people whose businesses overnight have been decimated, right? Mm. But at the same time, Amazon's announced that they are hiring 100,000 drivers. Um, uh, we're getting grocery and package delivery nonstop because we don't want to go anywhere. And in, in, where I'm in California, we're all on total house lockdown at this point. So you can walk around the block. You can drive up to the park and walk as long as you stay away from people. The park's officially closed. But there's a variety of these kinds of things going on right now. Uh, sequestering us. But in the middle of all that, there's great demand for things. Uh, so, you know, restaurants are like, oh my God, we're going to be closed. But now already, oh, services like Open Table are advertising that many restaurants are open for takeout and delivery. And I see the kitchen staff in there. And in some cases, uh, I just heard of a friend's uh, multi-restaurant business in, uh, in your city. And he's turned his own staff into the driver. So instead of giving the driving delivery to another business, he's let his front of house, his wait staff um, – do the do the delivery if they want yeah. to, right? So now he's got the kitchen doing the back, and they've just changed it up. And in a controlled environment, that can be pretty safe. Um, maybe not a hundred percent, but relatively safe speaking, because they can handle things in a hygienic fashion, package them, deliver them with less contact, right? I think there are big movements like that, and the people that innovate will do really, really well right now. Yeah, I feel the same way. And it's obvious that there is opportunity being created. But like you mentioned, there's other businesses that are just overnight shutting down. And how I think the biggest problem or the biggest risk is when you hover in the middle too long, where you're, you, you're either not capitalizing on opportunities, or you're not making cuts fast enough. So so how do you self identify with how this is affecting you and be decisive and move quickly? So let's talk about 
um, moving through the things. I've got five big moves I've been talking with people about in uh, online webinars, talking to different business groups, peer groups, people who have reached out to me, our own clients. And and it, so let me let me through some of these you're hearing yeah. from other people before, but I think there's five big things. So the first thing is around self-care and um, you'll hear people say, put on your own oxygen mask first, like that. I mm-hmm. spoke with two people at the beginning of this week on our podcast. I spoke with Warren Rustand, who's a leadership expert and all around uh, amazing, accomplished human being. And then Heidi Hanner, who's an expert in mental and emotional health and stress. And we talked about taking care of yourself. And Warren stressed the kinds of things like make sure you uh, increase or add exercise in this time frame. you got to sleep right, eat right, that kind of thing. Heidi talked about that. But here's the thing I think most people are missing. Take care of the emotional space. Hmm. And 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 you the thing to remember about this is you can't fake it till you make it here. Um, you can't put lipstick on a pig uh, and you can't put icing on a mud pie and have it be anything different, right? If you're feeling crappy, then you have to just name that feeling yeah. and uh, and call it out. So uh, I, at various points in today, I was feeling things like I was talking with a woman earlier at one of my client uh, executives and uh, I could tell she's just like right on the edge. And I said, stop, you can talk to me. Just be still for a minute, right? And then I let her, and I just listened to her, and I gave her that, and she lost it, and then I was right there with her, and and then uh, one of my family members just had a moment a few minutes ago, and I'm like, right now, I'm still really feeling the echo of her feelings, right? You gotta be willing to just embrace the feeling. Notice where it is in the belly, um, how it feels across your back. Um, where you're right on the edge of losing it, where you're giddy, where you're keyed up, where you're anxious, where you can't sleep, right? I've been awake all kinds of times this week at different points, worrying or thinking about things. Yeah, and I think it's important to recognize the emotion in our teams and our employees because people can try to hide that and mask that. And I've been reaching out to a lot of team members because we'll do a group Zoom thing and we're all on there. But then you connect with someone individually who's really struggling working at home. You know, they don't they might not have any family or friends here and they're at home with their dog for the last seven days and going crazy. And, you know, you need to uh, provide a, a, a way to vent that kind right. of emotion. So here's the thing is that in all of that, um, you can't be there for your people if you haven't if you don't have any capacity there for yourself. So the we know the phrase, put on your own oxygen mask first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now that we're not flying, it's more important than ever. So um, you've got um, you've got to be able to have some room for your own. Uh, emotional range if you're going to have room for anyone else's. If you're trying to cram down your own feelings, what do you think it's going to be like for your people? So the first one. And the second thing is the people need you, right? The natural segue is to actually connect with your people. And it's not just your staff, uh, your team. It is your vendors, your community, your customers, um, all of the different business partners, everybody needs to hear from you. So it's time to lead now. But the problem is, I think most of us are used to leading when we figured things out or having a plan in mind first. And in this time frame, you've got to lead even though you don't have a plan yet or the plan is highly um, uh, elastic and changing all over the place, highly dynamic. So – and in reality – 
a better plan is going to be created by your whole team together. So you want to bring your leadership, even though you may not have a plan yet, start being the leader now, communicating, hey, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're this together. I'm here for you. That's servant leadership. People want to be uh, led in that way from that place, right? Right. And so as you bring your leaders together, do you develop a clear plan? Do you communicate that plan to everyone else? Or how does it go from the blurriness of strong leadership into a more tactile, like actionable plan? Well, if you studied planning and plans at all, you have heard some version of that planning is priceless, but plans themselves are pretty worthless or a fleeting value. So the moment you create a plan, it's becoming obsolete. Uh, with every passing second, right? Um, and and or no plan survives contact with the enemy, or everybody has a plan until <laughs> they get punched in the face, right? Is one of my favorites, and and I think in many ways we all feel like we've been punched in the face. Um, so the truth is, you're going to be planning and planning and planning on going in and replanning, and and the more people are involved in the planning, uh, the better. So you really just want to become a planning, replanning kind of culture always, but especially now. Okay. All right. So take us through. That was step two. Yeah. So the next thing is people have been talking about conserving cash. And it's really great if you thought about this a few months ago or over the last couple of years and you've built a fortress balance sheet, as Jack Stack would call it. Um, and you have just a huge treasure chest and you can go as companies fail, you could buy up assets left and right. When we go through shifts like that, there'll be enormous buying opportunities. It'll be a lot easier and more reasonable to hire people. Now there are all kinds of, you can get better terms and pricing. Um, so there's all kinds of opportunities that will happen now if you have the cash, but maybe you don't have the cash. And maybe you're just thinking about how to survive because your business was a little too finely run before. So it, people will suggest all kinds of things and tricks. And um, I I personally don't like borrowing money, but they're in a situation – well, in many situations. But in a situation like this, I'm really nervous about piling on a lot of debt that you won't yeah. be able to service later. Right. So. What could we do now? And it's not just slash all your staff because um, those are the people that will help you dig your way out of it. Now, they may give you concessions or you may need to do some. But um, I think the key that people aren't talking about is radical requests. Mm -hmm. And here I'm talking about going to your landlord and telling them, I don't know if I have a business anymore. I need some massive rent relief. In 2008, I went. Uh, actually, early 2009, I went to our landlord and said, I don't know if I have a business anymore. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to hang on to my house, but I'm committed to. I think there will be. This is a really uncertain time. Uh, but the truth is I can't pay any rent. Yeah. None. And um, you could force me out and I could quit and then there'd be nothing and you'd get nothing. But if you would give me free rent for the next year, I will produce some kind of amazing breakthrough and I'll return it in some way. And he, he gulped and he said, well, this is a huge, huge ask. And I said, I know. I understand what I'm asking. It's not fair. It's not warranted. It's not legal. It's not anything. But it's what I need. Um, and he said, okay, I'm going to give it to you. Uh, but I want you to review your financials every three months with me to make sure it's still warranted. And I want you to give me a two a uh, year extension on the lease so that when you do pull through, I have your loyalty in return. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then he, he asked for some uh, like 
legal protection in, in the event things went poorly. It was awesome, right? And I yeah. didn't end up needing a whole year of free rent. I pulled out a lot faster than was expected uh, of the dive. But overnight, I had like no business. So radical requests are the key. In order to make those, um, you have to, and not just be a shyster uh, trying to get one over on people, is you have to really be considerate of and think about empathetic to their world. Appreciate what you're asking of them, the impact on them, and what it might represent to them. But and if you'll come from that place of shared uh, caring and perspective and partnership, you will be stunned at what you get. Already this week, I've heard of um, uh, I've heard of uh, our clients and the people I've been talking to getting. Uh, one guy got half off his rent for a whole year. Um, somebody else got massive relief of of some debt service or yeah. or post deferral on it. Well, let, let uh, me ask you this. Yeah. So lots of things can come of these radical requests. So I love the idea of radical requests and I've talked to people about this and I think, you know, now's the time you want terms from vendors, you want, you know, mm -hmm. to be able to pay over, over time. But how do you know when it's okay to make those requests? Because some people are afraid to make those until they're so desperate that they will go out of business and other people are making those requests to maintain their 10% margin, you know? So, so like right. when is the right time to try to be smart about those requests and managing your cash? Well, if you're just being pushy and obnoxious, right? There's a word for that, it's called chutzpah. Uh, <laughs> if you're trying to get one over on people, nobody needs that. This, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about asking for something bold because what you care about, what you're committed to really matters, not because you wanna hang on to your Ferrari. Right. It's and more God motivating. <laughs> it's more motivating to make a request so you don't have to lay off your team or to make yeah, a request. Yeah, it's like, look, I, I'm yeah. really and, – and you don't – you could ask actually radical requests in other times. So now in a time of crisis, it's because you're committed to preserving something and finding your way through to a brighter day. In other times, you could ask and make a radical request for something even not in a crisis because what you're undertaking is so bold and so inspiring. But at the launch of a business or other kinds of times, when you're committed to something new, a radical request can also be powerful in a non-crisis time as well. So there's a, a bit of a, a contrast or contradiction between trying to slash expenses and be in this scarcity mindset versus be in the uh, opportunity-seeking abundance mindset. So how does someone kind of pivot and, and look for the bright side? You got yourself together. You got your team aligned. You start to get your cash in order. So you've got some breathing room because the radical request. Now where's the breakout come from? We want to be trend spotters. Uh, in the scaling up world, we, we have this thing we call the sweat tool, the SWT. But the key is looking at trends broadly in the world. What's going on? Oh, people aren't coming to my restaurant. Okay, good. What are they doing? Well, they're eating at home. Okay, good. Could you send them a meal to home? People are working from home. I sell to corporations. Okay, maybe the corporation like to send their employees a meal and you could deliver it for them to take care of people. Oh, interesting. All right, uh, maybe you've got a... Uh, a vehicle-based business that's tied to tourism and nobody's traveling. Well, could you put people in that? Uh, Amazon's looking for 100,000 drivers, right? Uh, I bet other people need drivers too. Um, so where is the puck going? <laughs> yeah. Gretzky said, right? Skate to where it's going, not where it is. 
And that's the key is we want to look at what the trends are and then try to go there. No matter what happens now or how long this thing is or how deep it's uh, the the ripple effects on the economy are, there will be sustained changes. Things mm-hmm. changed after 2001. Things changed after 2008. In those changes, if you anticipate that, a ton of businesses will be born right now. Um, so I probably need to do some startup coaching because all my work's been on the scale-up side. And right. and people will reinvent their businesses right now. And those people that pivot quickly um, will really win big because they're addressing what people need. So you just want to ask yourself, what's happening in the world? Yeah. What do people need? What could I do besides what I was doing if, if what you were doing isn't working, right? Yeah, at the end of last year and, and kind of every year, we do our strategic planning and plan for the year ahead. And we do some version of, uh, you know, dangers and opportunities and strengths and, and SWAT. And, and one of the things we did was all the trends. And sitting at the end of 2019, the trends were a little harder to spot than they might be today. You know, today the trends are so dramatic that you can just scroll through headlines and they, they're very clear that I think businesses should sit down with their leadership teams and just do a trends brainstorm uh, like you're, you're recommending because the, the innovation that could come out of this is huge. But look at all the little cues, right? Normally when we look at trends, we look at our own industry. And we look at our competitors. Mm-hmm. In this time, it's useful to look really broadly. People are walking around my neighborhood. And they're using more of the street because there's hardly any cars going by. And they're out with their dogs and their immediate family. And everybody's keeping wide distance. But they're saying hi to each other. Uh, right? Um, so there's uh, – there will be little clues like that. What could you do with that? What do people need? I have a friend – Roller <laughs> blades. They're com- they're gonna come back. My wife <laughs> said, "Why did you sell your electric skateboard?" I'm like, "Well, we live on a busy street. I wasn't using it that much." She's like, "Don't you wish you had it now?" <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I had this awesome little electric skateboard. I I, w- I wish I hadn't sold it. Right. It'll be interesting to see what products really take off, other than toilet paper, right now. But at this time, I could get out and ride my skateboard down the middle of the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so so let's round it out, the, the fifth yeah. piece here. All right, the, so the last thing is y- you've got to do all the basics, right? You've got to do your daily huddles and your weekly meetings and your quarterly planning and all that kind of stuff. And you've got to keep your culture alive with all of your practices that keep the purpose and the values alive in all the ways that you've done it in your business or or should be doing, right? But now you've got to be flexible and creative in that approach. So if you did a daily huddle around something, um, a part of your office before with each team um, or around a whiteboard, well, now you want to do it online and have people come on via Zoom or via phone caller. So you've got to still do some of the basics, but you want to do it more flexibly. I love that. So, I mean, this five-step process, I know we just kind of uh, improvised here at the beginning of the presentation and, and switched to this <laughs> scaling down. Right. Uh, but but this really is the process of dealing with uncertain times. So and, these are the moves, man. Yeah. And, and the, the folks that embrace these kinds of moves time and again, I mean, they've worked for me in the last four recession downturns and countless other people. These are the kind of core things to do. 
Well, I appreciate you sharing the content. So as we round this out, we always do this thing, the, the double tap with a, a couple rapid fire questions. So, you know, me, I, uh, I, I was thinking about the content. I actually didn't prepare well. So I, this is going to be very uh, off the cuff. Let's see. <laughs> Perfect. <Go>. All right. <laughs> What's a brand that you think has perfected its process that you admire? Apple. Who is someone who's coached or mentored you? Um, uh, Dean Jones at the Gallup organization. Nice. Your favorite book or podcast other than yours and mine? <laughs> uh, oh, that's a good question. I Science Friday. Okay. Most entertaining person you follow online? Um, well, that's kind of a toss-up. There are some very funny people out there. Um, I've been enjoying watching Marie Forleo, another coach right now, because I like it incorporating things like silly, playful dance with <laughs> your vibe, right? Yeah, she's great. All right, and yeah. one app you can't live without? Oh, an app I can't live without? Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Especially right now, right? <laughs> Yeah. Good one. Okay, so as we wrap this up to summarize, I think you know we already said this is the process of dealing with tough times, plowing through uncertainty, recognizing your own emotions, creating a plan when you don't have a plan. I think these points were super relevant. Is there anything else that you want to leave people with, advice, takeaways? Uh, be in action, right? Be be in action. Don't, uh, you know, take a minute to do your meditation or whatever, but then act. Uh, be bold. Act and be bold. I love it. Bill, yeah. thanks again for coming on. We'll have to have you back to talk about scaling up when things start moving in the other direction. <laughs> right. We'll come back. You know, we could talk about that in, in some near time and go through in the transitional time, right? What do we mean? What What does it mean to people and what's happening in strategy? Those five things actually kind of relate to that as well. I didn't point it out, but they're all there. It's embedded in there. They're all connected. Well, we'll save that yeah. for another time, but thank okay. you again for tuning in. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for listening to Process Makes Perfect. If you're listening on your earbuds, on a run, in the car, we also have a version on YouTube. So if you want to see this in color video with me interviewing all these great guests, check it out on YouTube. Just search Chris Ronzio and you'll find my channel on there. If you found this helpful, we'd love for you to leave a review or rate the podcast. If you found the information valuable, please share it with a friend, a family member, or anyone else you think could benefit from the information. Remember to connect with me at Chris Ronzio on all social media platforms or the company at Trainual. That's train U-A-L, like a training manual, everywhere that you want to follow us. Thanks again for watching or listening, and we hope to see you next time.